I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is it. We are here. It is the home stretch. And thanks for joining us here on Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show. Joshua, I've been trying to think about the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Miami Dolphins all week. And there's a lot of different ways I've been trying to look at this game. And I want to say that game left a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, I I completely agree. I mean, I feel the same way. We're all sitting here and we're just thinking if they could have just did a little more, you know, we might have been able to, to upset them and, and get that huge victory. But we got the New England Patriots coming to town. I mean, we know, I think, I forget who tweeted out, but I think this is the first time in like 24 meetings that the Dolphins are uh, favorites. I think they're two-point favorites over at Bovado. So um, it's not Tom Brady and Tua, but it's Cam Newton and Tua. And if the Dolphins want to make the playoffs, they got to win this game. And how crazy this year has been. I mean, when you think about how these teams met in week one of the regular season, it was a 21 to 11 win for the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback. Uh, the, the Patriots seemed like, like world beaters. I, I, I think the biggest mistake I made, go, made going into the show is I didn't look up the, there was some drama involving Cam Newton. And I know there are a lot of, you know, uh, he's a very polarizing figure and I've always tried to shoot down the narrow but uh, after the, the trash talking following that win against the Dolphins, I uh, I got a little annoyed with them. And I think everybody on that Miami Dolphins uh, defensive front remembers how uh, uh, Cam Newton was acting after that game as well. Yeah, they were trying to snatch his chains, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Weren't they going after his necklace? And I mean, you have to think some of that's going to spill over again. This is a division game. You mentioned Fitzpatrick starting three interceptions in that first game. I mean, and they still is 21 to 11. So um, different times. Both the these... red zone. I know that. 
Yeah, yeah, and I mean, that's just Ryan Fitzpatrick for you, right? Isn't that kind of just who he's become? And, I mean, I, I think the Dolphins drew the, the shortest stick, and, and with, with everything, and, and to even circle back about my remarks about the Kansas City game, you know, it's always the ifs, you know, if Bobby McCain didn't go down with an injury, uh, if Jason Sanders didn't make a kick, and, and I guess that's where the bad taste comes from. Obviously, the Dolphins are headed in the right direction. Obviously, I'm excited about the team. They're 8-5, and five and I could not be happier. Uh, but, you know, you, you kind of wish they could have pulled it off at home instead of hearing uh, another week of, Mahomes is amazing, because that that's this conversation, not the fact that, you know, the, the reigning AFC Defensive Player of the Week was out, not that Alandon Roberts was out. You know, there were excuses there for the Dolphins, and, and I hate that we have to look at them, I guess, is, is my frustrating thing. And I'm going to use excuse talking about this uh, New England game. I think if the Dolphins played the Patriots even in Week 2, that one would have been different. I think when you face the Patriots opening day in Foxborough, I understand there were no fans there, but I mean, that, that is a tough challenge. And I don't know many teams who would be able to go into Foxborough week one, brand new offense and really understand how that new England uh, operation is really uh, uh, going forward. And I still remember that game. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know, heading into that, the one thing many people knew about Cam Newton was that he was, you know, this runner and he was like, he can make an impact in a game and take it over using those running abilities. And we saw that that first week. I mean, we absolutely got gashed on the ground. So mm-hmm. we'll talk about, you know, that being kind of the, one of the keys later in this podcast. But before we move on from the Kansas City Chiefs game, I don't know if you saw this, but Tua Tagovailoa again, second week in a row, nominated for Rookie of the Week. And he was behind. A lot of people started tweeting it out and um, he's you running away cheated. with it. He's absolutely, he's absolutely running away with it. What, what I don't understand is why do they even let fans vote for this? It just doesn't make sense. It's like the Pro Bowl. Like, they know what's going to happen. They know it's a popularity contest. But I honestly think they're get, I mean, they got to get paid off all these clicks, right? So these people that are out there, you know, voting for Tua like 70 times, I mean, every time they click that button, I'm sure the NFL is just their, – their pockets are getting bigger. But, yeah, it's, it's a joke, and I'm going to keep voting for Tua regardless of, <laughs> of if he's deserving or not. Oh, I, no, I, I 100% agree. I want that feather in my cap. And, and Dolphin fans, and obviously we're, this podcast is pointed at them, so please don't take this the wrong way, but but that passion uh, that this fan base has can be used for, for very good things, like winning, you know, an AFC Rookie of the Week, but it can also, you know, at times, as we've seen, be, be pretty bad on the other Civil side. Civil War. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, Josh, before we really dive into this week, uh, New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins, I mean, that, that was a war on Sunday against the Chiefs, and there was a lot of injuries to go through. So I'm going to kind of walk through them. I mean, you could push me to the side if there's one you want to talk about. Um, uh, let, let's start out with some a little good news. Matt Breida is coming off the reserve COVID-19 list. Um, you know, it's easy to think, great, we have another running back back. Uh, but you, you're a little concerned if he's going to actually be 100%, if the virus kind of kicked his butt a little bit. I mean, this... It's a pandemic. There, there's no like, hey, I, I was sick for two weeks. It's over. I mean, this is impacting people in a bunch of different ways. Uh, so, so while I'm excited to have Brita back, and and I still think Brita has so much to prove this season. Um, you know, it, it's it's. I'm not going to pencil him in as a starting running back this week. Yeah, I don't know if I would either. And I think you know, I think you and I at the beginning of this whole season were we just kept saying Brita needs to get more touches. Brita needs to get more touches. And it really hasn't happened. You mentioned him having to make uh, you know, kind of prove his point over these last three weeks. If the Dolphins trade that draft pick that Matt Breida, you know, help this team win these next three games and to get into the playoffs, to me, that's worth a pick right there. I mean, what they've done with this mm-hmm. running back group, I mean, we talked about in a previous podcast, they've absolutely um uh, screw the pooch, I guess, is the best way to put it. I mean, they signed Howard to the bag. They traded a pick for Washington, for Breida. I mean, the list goes on and on. I don't know if he will be a starter. I agree with you. I think uh, Salvinok Med's back this week, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so so we'll see how it plays out. But getting another guy like him, a guy that's explosive, uh, is definitely 
nice to see because the Dolphins need playmakers like we continue to talk about. And the biggest loss this week, and it sucks, and no one's really telling us what's going on, but Mike just, Mike Gesicki, the Dolphins mm-hmm. uh, monster tight end. I think he's, what, number three in the league right now. I mean, he's having a an awesome season, starting to become Tua Tungvaloa's, you know, go-to guy, but he suffered that shoulder injury. I think the Miami Herald might have said it could have been a dislocated, but no one is telling you how severe this is. I know the Dolphins, if they're not 100% and they can't go out there and make the same type of impact, they're going to keep them back, and I guess that's where that Adam Shaheen and Durham Smythe really come into play, and you have written here, you know, Shaheen, nine catches, 110 yards, three touchdowns on the season, Durham Smythe, 16 catches, 139 yards, and two touchdowns. And again, it's just funny that we're talking about tight ends and the impacts that they're all making because mm-hmm. before the season, you know, uh, Chan Gailey doesn't use tight ends. He, he, he <laughs> Good point, tight yes. ends. And he's he just shoving them down our throat there for a little bit. So um, one of those guys are going to have to step up. Shaheen got the contract, you know, so um, we'll see how it plays out. But losing Mike Gesicki, that is a huge, um, uh, a huge loss, and the Dolphins are going to have to find a way to overcome it. I was hoping, you know, I, I'm not going to speculate too, too much into this stuff because I, I was hoping it was just kind of a dislocated shoulder, something you can kind of pop out or pop back in and kind of call it a day. I mean, it's so frustrating after uh, his big performance, two touchdowns. I mean, he did look like that top tier tight end that can really be a key cog in a successful offense. And that's what we wanted to see. I mean, I'm going back and thinking about the 2018 Mike Jacecki, Josh. <laughs> he was a pass blocker. I mean, it's just it's just frustrating to see that it's finally all click. I mean, it clicked for him last year. I'll admit that, and and he's been awesome this year too. But I mean, ugh. <laughs> Is it safe to say we can't have nice things? I mean, we I see these guys. Right. <laughs> we were complaining that they didn't have chemistry, like, you know, two weeks ago, and he was targeted what like seventeen times over the last two games, and then mm-hmm. this happens. That's a huge blow, and you know, he, another guy that's out, uh, Bobby McCain. And I can't believe that we're sitting here, you know. How I, I got to admit, I was very hard on Bobby McCain, and I didn't think he was going to that transition to free safety wasn't going to work. But um, you could definitely see this defense absolutely missed him as soon as he was out of the game. And if the Dolphins want to again win this must win game against New England, uh, we hope to have Bobby McCain back in the lineup. You know, I I'm, I remember the years where, where it was like Eric Weddle, I remember Rashad Jones was up there, I mean, Earl Thomas, there were all these great safeties in the league, and, and I remember thinking. You need one of these guys. You need to draft a safety high, you know, in the first round. Minka Fitzpatrick, just this idea of, of, you know, safeties are hard to come by. And what Bobby McCain's been able to accomplish not only speaks volumes about Chris Greer and this coaching staff's ability to mold players and understand their uh, strengths and their weaknesses in a way where they can put them in a situation to succeed. But, I mean, Josh, he's like a top five, top ten rated safety in terms of pro football focus. This guy has been a legitimate stud for the Miami Dolphins in that back end. I, I mean, it's another one, like I mentioned at the top, those what-ifs where if Bobby McCain didn't go out, I, I don't see Tyreek Hill beating him over the top. I, I, I love having Bobby back there. That's definitely something I didn't think I would see. And Josh, you know, we want all these guys back on the team. I, I think this team is much better with Mike Gusecki and Bobby McCain. But for the sake of conversation here, we're talking football. Who do you think the Dolphins could live without more between Mike Gusecki and Bobby McCain? Who who being out uh, impacts their game plan uh, more than the other, would you say? Wow, that's a great question. I'm, I'm going to say something that I never thought I'd say, and I'm going to say Bobby McCain. I think, mm-hmm. again, he's playing out of his mind back there, and I think... A- when you look at that position, a lot of what he does is the communication and getting players set. And, you know, without having that quarterback there in the defense to, to get those guys lined up, we saw exactly what happened as soon as he went out of the game. So um, I think this could be a coin flip, but I'm going to go with Bobby McCain. What about you? Oh, I, I think I certainly have to agree with you. I just think that what Bobby brings to the table in terms of, uh, of just being vocal, I mean, he's a very talented player. He's a veteran. 
And both of these guys are kind of the uh, situation that we're trying to hope the Dolphins put themselves in because the Dolphins have the, the talent. I, you know, I the, going back to the Chiefs game again, everybody's healthy. I think they win that game. And, you know, we can sit here and do the ifs and buts and, and candy and nuts and, and yada, yada, yada. But it's what we're hoping for this offseason is that depth, right? And the difference between these two guys, Bobby McCain and Mike Jacecki, because I think these guys are both big contributors to this team, is those backup tight ends the Miami Dolphins have. I mean, the, the depth they have developed in just a year under, like you said, that was a great point, Chan Gailey, who doesn't use tight ends, has been incredible, where Bobby McCain, the safeties, I mean, Clayton Pagetalum, I still don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, man. He he just struggled. They don't they don't have that depth at safety, and Bobby McCain is a precious piece to that, that secondary. Yeah, and I, I believe Kayvon Frazier was also playing back there a little bit after that. Fajilium, I, I don't think either of us can say his name, after he gave up that big play. So um, we'll see the way things shake up. But as we've seen all year long, you know, it's the next man up mentality. A couple other players were back at practice uh, yesterday. Parker and Grant were both limited. Landon Roberts and Kyle Van Noy were both limited. Flowers didn't practice. And then Salvin Ahmed, the running back, had a red non-contact jersey. So, um this is awesome to see because we saw everyone go down last game um, to know that they're limited for the most part. I mean, we should have them back. And again, this is a critical, critical game. Josh, a uh, tough question for you. And it's a little bit of a, a leading one in terms of I I'm being a reporter and I'm trying to get some sort of clickbait out of you. Um, in terms of the running backs on the Miami Dolphins active roster, I, I don't think Selvan Ahmed is actually on the active roster in terms of the 46 shooting up for game day. So let, I want to use the Chiefs game. Uh, of that roster that took the field at running back, the DeAndre Washingtons, the Patrick Lairds, are any of these guys on the – and I want to include Matt Breida in this. Are any of these guys on the roster next year? I, I kind of feel like maybe Patrick Laird will be. I kind of feel like he's just going to be that guy that just sticks around, you know, that real gym, the real gym rat, the, the, the Rex Burkhead. You know, he's just that gym rat that they just keep around and, you know, that we've seen in New England. But um, I, I don't know. And I think that, you know, again, these last three games, you know, could prove some of this. If Breida goes out there and, and shows, you know, what some people think he's capable of, it could change things. DeAndre Washington would have liked to see him do a lot more last week. But, uh, you know, Dolphins have struggled to run the football. And, uh, you know, that's something they definitely have to, to look into this offseason. And, again, it's, it's looking into the crystal ball. Um, one thing I have noticed that the Dolphins do with the running backs, they prefer, at least I feel, to have a feature back, a guy who gets 80 90% of the snaps. I mean, Miles Gaskin was awesome with me in fantasy for that reason. They like to have one guy out there and have him be the guy. So, I mean, uh, having let guys... Me let me ask you a question quick. Miles sure. Gaskin or Salvin Ahmed, you get to pick one of those guys to pair with your... Uh, potential you know first or second round running back prospect next year which one of those guys are you going to keep oh man i i think i'd have to choose gaskin just because he's a little more well-rounded but the ceiling i mean on ahmed is certainly higher i mean i would certainly think that that's the way to go about it but i mean i i think the dolphins need to figure out if they have their Dak crescott they need to find their ezekiel elliott i know that's a discussion for another day about how high we want to draft running back yada 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 but that's just kind of where mine's my mindset is starting to uh, uh blink towards I like how you said, I think you got to tweet that. And I like how you said, that's kind of where my mind's headed. Did you say Tua? It's almost sound like you said Tua. So <laughs> I, th I think you have to tweet that out right now. You know, if the Dolphins think they have their Dak Prescott, they need to find their Zeke because, um, you know, that could not be more well said. Last of the injury news before we head into our uh, first break, Julian Edelman practiced for the first time on Wednesday. So um, Brian Flores spoke highly of him. We know how big of an impact he can have on that offense. So Julian Edelman could be playing on Sunday. And again, the Dolphins will have to, uh, 
figure out a way to stop him. I think it would be cool. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Uh, how about this? Julian Edelman becoming the wide receiver coach of the Miami Dolphins. Go for it. I'm all, I'm all for it. What, what about Julian Edelman becoming a wide receiver for the Dolphins? <laughs> I, think, I mean, they I think, need yep. anyone. They need anyone. <laughs> yeah, they do. Anybody. But uh, we should jump into a break, huh? Yeah, we'll take – yeah, we, we, we stretched our limits here. Let's take a break. We'll get into the preview on the other side. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Uh, Josh, we were so hot and bothered about Julian Edelman. We forgot probably my, my favorite segment we do, and that that's who's earning their fin. And, and for the second straight week, it's it's got to be Lynn Bowden Jr., right? Seven receptions for 82 yards. He was even trying to throw the ball. He threw it once, I believe. Uh, he ended up running it the, the second time where he was trying to throw it to Tua. Man, this team is... Oh, this team is something else. But, I mean, this guy played quarterback in high school, and I, I believe he had a leg injury that pushed him to wide receiver. Uh, the week before, uh, he had four receptions for 41 yards. Uh, the chemistry is growing between someone like Tua and, and Lynn Bowden, where I think this is what we thought it would be with Malcolm Perry. Like, I, I really think, and, and, you know, this is where I'm going to kind of say the, I told you so, I told you so. But, I mean, Malcolm Perry is that is a seventh-round pick, right? And, I, I mean, I, I have faith in him. I think he he's flashes talent. But they take time to develop. A lot of these players, I mean, the reason players are picked higher than others is because they're more battle-ready. The, the ceiling is higher. They're ready to go. But, I mean, Lynn Bowden, a fourth-round pick. I mean, this guy's been awesome. And, and if you're playing in your fan duels, you're playing in fantasy, uh, Lynn Bowden might be worth a little uh, peek or two. He absolutely is. I actually started him in a friends Fandle league that we do every week, and I ended up winning, pairing him with him and Tua together. But yes. I think, you know, he absolutely earned his fins. I mean, at this point, he might be – He's he's more reliable than Jakeem Grant. Can we admit that? I mean, he, I think yep. he might have showed us more in two games. And I mean, it's crazy. I, I don't want to get too down on Jakeem Grant, but I, I mean, Lynn Bowden is an exciting player, and I think a lot of this just shows you what type of players this offense needs to bring in these these speedy guys that can you know do a little bit of everything. I mean, Lynn Bowden's going out there and he's creating separation and making plays, and you know you can see the chemistry starting to develop. So give that man his fin. Um, we know he played quarterback a little bit. They need to figure out a different way to have him throw the ball because, I mean, it just got a little ridiculous at a point there. But to see Tua running down the sideline, I mean, <laughs> he, uh, shades of Ryan Tannehill at Texas A&M. <laughs> oh, man. And, and yeah, you know, I, I like what you said about Grant there, too. And, I again, I think we were we were both pretty hard on Grant. I think we always have been. And, and I think some of the criticism is most certainly warranted. Uh, but I, I think what the difference between these two guys, if we want to, you know, go get on the, the magnifying glass here, is I, I think Bowden can be a legitimate piece who's out there at every snap. Where Jakeem Grant, is, uh, it, it's clear, needs to be someone you pick and choose his spots for. I don't think he's someone you can leave out in the field uh, for 60 snaps a game and think he's going to contribute 60 snaps worthy of, you know, successful football. For sure. And I think they do need to figure out ways to get Jakeem Grant, you know, when he's back on the field and healthy, they got to figure out ways to get him, you know, in space and throw some screens and have him come in motion and take some of those little, you know, drop passes, I guess is what you call them. But mm -hmm. I think what we see out of Jakeem Grant, and I think probably the most underrated part of his game is what we heard from two earlier in the season. They said, you know, Jakeem runs a lot of those brotherhood routes where he's pretty much just running straight downfield and clearing things out for those guys underneath. So, uh, again, I think I think we've definitely been 
down on Jakeem Grant, and I think everyone should be after, you know, that pretty, you know, disappointing performance. But I think, you know, a lot of what he does is underrated. And again, he's a hell of a playmaker. And for a Dolphins team that's lacking them, uh, I think, you know, this coaching staff and this team likes Jakeem Grant a heck of a lot more than we do. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I, we'll root for him until he's not no longer a Dolphin. But I think Lynn Bowden should get all the fans excited. And again, if you're in fantasy playoffs, go out there and get this guy. All right, Josh, let's do it. Dolphins Patriots preview. New England coming in at six and seven following a loss to the Rams at the eight and five Miami Dolphins. Man, that is so cool. Uh, the Dolphins are favored by two and a half points. We mentioned it uh, early in the show. It's week one. It was 20 to 11, 21 to 11. Miami's largest margin of defeat this year. Uh, these two teams have certainly gone different ways since. Uh, we mentioned it. Fitzpatrick had three interceptions. Cam Newton had two rushing touchdowns. I think Cam has 11 rushing touchdowns on the year. Uh, Josh, I, I think the the big thing I want, you know, if it's the holiday season and it's about giving, and if people are giving, people have to be getting. And what I want is a strong performance. I want to step on the Patriots' throats, send them into the hunt, banish them to 8-8, eight and eight, and I don't want like a, a 20 to 3, like the Jets games, like, oh, we led the whole time and things just didn't go away. No, I want 43 to 17, like the 49ers, or 33, 31 to 13, like the Jets. Let's do it. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if they win this, if the Dolphins win this game, they eliminate New England from the from the playoffs. And mm-hmm. I mean, when was the last time we could say that? So uh, that would be awesome. You have here an astounding stat. New England has been favored against the Miami Dolphins in 32 out of the last 34 meetings, including 13 straight. The last time Miami was favored was back in week 15 of 2013. The Dolphins won 24 to 20. Charles Clay had an insane fourth down conversion. So that, that was the last time, and um, times have changed for sure. I watched highlights of that game, and man, that offense made things so hard on Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you know, come like 2017, 2018, the conversation got a little silly in terms of the the blame Tannehill and things like that. But early on in this guy's career, man, I I could write a book about how unfair uh, uh, this offense was to this guy. And, you know, it was always second and 15s. I mean, Charles Clay had to uh, convert a fourth and five, uh, for God's sake. I, man, it, it's frustrating. It, it was kind of annoying to go back and watch this, but I mean, I, I, we have Tua. I'm not going to get too frustrated. Uh, the Dolphins right now are the best team in the NFL against the spread with a 10-3 and record. Uh, rookie quarterback Tua Tungavaloa is 5-1 and one against the spread since taking over for Ryan Fitzpatrick. That means Fitzpatrick was 5-2. and two. Last week, they covered against the Kansas City Chiefs and forced Patrick Mahomes to throw three interceptions. I, man, I, I love this defense. They rank second in scoring defense at 18.2 points per game and are tied with the Steelers for the most takeaways in the NFL at 25. Love this defense. Love everything about them. And, you know, again, if the Dolphins want to push into the postseason, they're going to have to do it behind an awesome defensive performance. But we talked about this. Can we jump into our three keys? Can, can I start this off? Because this yes. is beautiful. I, I, I don't know where he came up with this. This, this was is someone I left a review. If you I, listen to this podcast, leave a review, leave a rating, because we read these things. And this is where I get the content like this. This is what somebody wrote in the podcast is, 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 is a podcast review is our three key headlines. So please, if you like what you listen to, smash the subscribe button, leave a review. Okay, so I've been, I've been hashtagging Let Tua Cook, you know, since I think he even started playing, but Let Tua Cook so everyone can eat. I mean, that is that is beautiful. And you have written here, Belichick is 26-5 and five against rookie quarterbacks uh, with the Patriots and has not lost to one since Geno Smith in 2013. My God. 
Dolphin killer Geno Smith. He confuses young quarterbacks and he throws the kitchen sink at them. And it's kind of exactly what we've seen from Brian Flores earlier in this season. You know, when they attack Justin mm-hmm. Herbert and confuse the hell out of him, when he attacks some of those other quarterbacks, confuse the hell out of him. So, um, again, it, to a basically, you know, it's much different. You know, it's not okay. The Dolphins have New England's defense. I mean, there's it, yes, it's very similar, but Tua's is not going out there every day in practice and looking at the exact New England defense. Right. So, yes, he has similarities, but um, Bill Belichick, I mean, one of the greatest coaches in all of football is going to go out there and he's going to he's going to have a game plan and, and Tua is going to have to do what he did last week and under pressure hang in there and make those decisive throws and I think that's part of why Tua Tagovailoa was drafted by the Dolphins is cuz he does things like that you know he he picks up the blitz and he just executes and that's what he's going to have to do this weekend against the, the Patriots that 2013 year for the Patriots must have been so fr- they won the Super Bowl that year didn't they that was that was or was that the year Seattle? You know they won the Super Bowl. That was the year. Uh, I can't that was keep the up throw. with all. That was the throw. Th- Dude, they lost to Geno Smith. They lost to the Dolphins. And they won the Super. I hate the Patriots. I hate the Patriots. What Tyler Thigpen catches a game-winning touchdown from uh, Ryan Tannehill. Geno Smith kills him as a rookie in 2013. Let's just go win the Super Bowl. Sick. Um, you know uh, the Patriots have won. Did you say this already? The Patriots have won their last nine games against rookie quarterbacks. Uh, the most recent one was 45 to nothing over Justin Herbert and the Chargers, where Justin Herbert was put in his height chair and told to stop crying at dinner. That is what happened at that game. Um, Eat your peas, Herbert. Eat your peas. <laughs> that 9-0 record, the other quarterbacks, Derek Carr, eh, Marcus Mariota, eh, Cody Kessler, Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, uh, Daniel Jones. So that that's where the those wins come against. I mean, it, it, it's okay. The Patriots, Bill Belichick, he's so good. He knows how to jump on these rookies. I understand that. The Patriots under Bill Belichick uh, have only been the underdog twice to a rookie quarterback making their first start. They were the underdog against Herbert two weeks ago and Vince Young in 2006. The Patriots won both those games by a combined score of 45-23. to Just to do a little math for you guys, that'd be uh, they beat the Titans 40-23. to Josh, uh, I want to ask you this because the Rams are seen as one of the top teams in the NFL. The Rams kind of kicked the butts of the Patriots last week. Jared Goff put up 137 yards last week. He didn't do anything bad. He he threw like one interception, I believe. But uh, overall, kind of a game manager. Basically, what I'm trying to get here at, Josh, is is think about it this way. You know, the, the switch from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Tua Tungavaloa is kind of, you can look at Jared Goff. Like, the Rams have a great defense. Uh, they, they have the running backs. They're, they're their weapons are a lot better, so I guess that's not really a good comparison. But all they need is golf just not to have a complete disaster of a game like he did against the Dolphins. And that's kind of the difference between Fitzpatrick and Tua that we're seeing early in the season. And we're having our cake and eating it too, because not only are we having not having the three interceptions games like Fitzpatrick had in week one, but Tua's getting confidence. I think we could say that game against the Chiefs was his feistiest performance in terms of just continuing to fight, continuing to grind and get the team there. And so that's kind of what I think is interesting is I think after this week, we could be saying that uh, Tua is a better quarterback than, than Jared Goff. Please, please pull me to the side when I've gone too far. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we can say that. Yeah, I really do. But I think, what we're going to see is a lot of what we saw in the second half last week, and it's going to be that up-tempo. You know, they're going to try to keep this defense off balance because, again, we can sit here and talk about Belichick and just how great of a defensive mind he is. 
but, you know, if they can't go out there and they can't communicate, like, you know, we continue to hear from the Dolphins and just how important it is to communication throughout that defense. If they can't go out there and, you know, the Dolphins are rushing up to that line and they're keeping them off balance and, and just doing the things that we saw Tua execute so well. I mean, you mentioned it. He was out there battling behind against the best damn team in football. And he, he scored three touchdowns, 316 yards. I mean, he, he put up nice numbers and they almost came back and won. I mean, we, we talked about at the beginning of the show, you know, this one left a bad taste in our mouth because they did have opportunities. But I think we're going to see him go out there and we're going to have to see him execute. And just, again, when the pressure's coming, he just has to hang in there and do what he does. And I think everything will come come together. I, I want to ask you a quick question here, and it's just kind of just something that just popped in my mind. Isaiah Ford revenge game, is, is that happening? Is is he going to be active, and <laughs> are we going to get an Isaiah, Isaiah Ford revenge game this week? Dude, that would be something. He even switched his number from 84 to 87. Why? Uh, I don't know. But he did. He did. He could, he could certainly be out there. He knows the playbook. Um, You know, I, I'd give him... A, he's a volume guy. He had the big game against the Patriots last year. Uh, why not? Throw him out there. Let's... let's, let's Autobots roll out. Let's let's make it happen. I think Tony Romo as an announcer last week really, really is a treat. We mentioned that in the postgame show. And I think what we learned from Romo last week is it's going to be a lot what the Patriots are going to try to do uh, this week. The Chiefs defense, what they try to do to Tua was a lot of pre-snap motion, right? Uh, they show guys were blitzing, and then they kind of pull them back, the safeties deep, uh, hoping to force Tua into a poor throw, hoping to get him uh, panicked or concerned. I think the Patriots are going to do a lot of those same things this week. I think this is going to be nothing he hasn't seen before. It's it's just kind of up to him to cook. Let us all eat. You got to do the cooking. Can I ask you if you're a little worried? Because when we went through that first week, yes, again, teams are much different now. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, this is his offense, basically. And he went out there and threw three interceptions. I mean, if they can rattle a veteran that's been around 17 years, I mean, it's going to be a tough task for Tua. But again, let him cook and the rest will eat. Fitzpatrick's been rattling since the day he was born. <laughs> <laughs> he has. And eating cake, too, probably. Eating cake, keeping the bubble gum on his helmet. Key number two. Stopping the run. I mean, I, these keys are, are, are pretty straightforward, but but they're definitely worth talking about. The Patriots are averaging 147 uh, yards per game this year. The Dolphins are actually lurking around the middle of the pack in terms of stopping the run. Uh, they're currently 18th, 17th in the league, somewhere right around there, while the Patriots, I believe, I think it's 6th they are in averaging uh, rushing yards per game. They held the Chiefs to under 4 yards a carry last week, and, and that was my big concern. I thought the, the Chiefs were actually going to come out and try to run right all over the Dolphins. Uh, thankfully, they didn't do it. I think the game would have actually gone a different way. I don't think that uh, Mahomes throws those three interceptions. The big difference between uh, game one and game two in terms of the New England offense is Damian Harris. He did not play in that week one game for the New England Patriots. He is averaging five yards a carry, uh, 691 yards on the year, and two touchdowns. I mentioned Cam Newton's 11 touchdowns. He's averaging four yards a carry. Sonny Michelle, he had a decent performance in, in week one. James White is there as well. Uh, Zach... Er, Zach Sealer had one tackle in that week one win. Josh, uh, this is kind of a hard question for you, but how do you think Miami's defensive line has truly developed since week one? Because I remember early in the season, we were looking at both Emmanuel Agba and Shaq Lawson wondering if these guys were issues or problems or bad signings. We were, and I, you know, some people are still asking some of those questions, to be completely honest. But I think we just see, you know, kind of, these players developing and kind of getting an understanding of what's going on. I mean, again, early in the season, there was no preseason. Some of these guys were just thrown into the fire. I think Raekwon mm -hmm. Davis said it was his first start. I mean, you see guys like him develop over time and throughout the entire season. Zach Sealer, you know, he's coming into his own. Agba lost. Still living in the van. 
Yeah, yeah, I might as well just name them all. But, you know, we're seeing this run defense, and it only happens, I believe, over the last few weeks, but they're slowly starting to come together. And, you know, I don't know what it's a testament to. Is it a testament to, you know, some of these teams not running the football as much? I mean, last week I thought we were going to get, you know, they were going to pound the rock down our throat. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell had two carries for, for 20 yards last week. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a first-round pick. The week before it was Gio Bernard, but, but Josh, I mean— Tackling a couple of meatballs in the sense of maybe not top-tier runners. I'm not saying Bell or, or uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire aren't going to be those guys. But, I mean, tackling seventh year in the league backup Giovanni Bernard, I mean, that's going to help build your confidence. And you might, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Zach Sealer, very young guy. Raekwon Davis has shown worlds of improvement since then. These guys have gotten their chance that they've kind of, in their rookie season, have done those practices, those hitting drills. Hitting the meatballs where they can really gain that confidence. And they're going to need it because I think the Patriots are going to try a lot of those goofy things, the plenty of misdirections to just get their guys in space. And, and that comes down to uh, just, just defenders staying smart, staying in their lanes, and, and forcing runners to either the, the side where they have help and understanding where that help is and, and funneling runners in that direction. And we got to see this be a total team effort. They got to swarm to the ball carriers because, you know, we're sitting here talking about the different running backs and how well they've been at containing them. But it's always been the quarterbacks that this team has struggled to tackle. I mean, we, we mentioned Geno Smith earlier. How many times did Geno Smith and Thad Lewis make us look like a complete, you know, laughing stock just in the ground game? So they got to find a way to tackle Cam Newton. And I know Raquan Davis or, you know, he kind of joked, uh, Jake Fromm tackled him in college. So anybody can be tackled. But we <laughs> saw him, Cam Newton definitely caused problems in week one. And, uh, they're going to go out there and they're going to try to do it again. So uh, I think, again, and we can say it every week, they need to stop the run and force Newton to try to, to, to get the ball to those playmakers because, let's be honest, once Cam Newton's throwing the football, you know, you feel a lot better with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard clamping down than when he's running with the ball. Yeah, uh, the Rams got to Cam Newton 10 times last week and sacked him four times. They were living in the backfield. The Dolphins had three sacks last week without Van Noy, without Roberts. So, I mean, there, there's potential to get in that backfield, and it's going to be up to the Dolphins to prove it. Josh, my, my third key here is, you know, I, I almost wanted to talk about special teams, but but that was like a blip in the radar. Um, I, I tweeted something following Sunday's loss and said, we got another Jason Sanders miss out of the way and Tua's first interception out of the way. Just for the sake of these guys aren't going to be perfect forever it's good just to get those out of the record books for 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 reasons uh beyond me let's just get that interception out of the way let's get the misses out of the way because we know there aren't going to be a lot of them i didn't want to talk about that kind of stuff too too much i didn't think it was worth it josh i think miami's running game really just needs to show some life i mean cam Akers, he was the guy last week for the rams in their win over the patriots 171 rushing yards, average six yards a carry. DeAndre Washington was Miami's leading back in two of the last four weeks. That ain't great. Uh, no disrespect to him, but, I mean, you just need a guy who can really just help you move the sticks, and the Dolphins don't have that. Matt Breida being back, I mean, 3.6 yards per carry. He has been incredibly underwhelming. I know he hasn't gotten as many snaps as we'd like, but that's just kind of what it is at this point. Uh, the Patriots are allowing 124 yards on the ground per game, uh, but the Dolphins are just averaging 95 yards. I mean, this has to be it. I mean, you we said Chan Gilly doesn't know how to use tight ends, but does this offense know how to use running backs? I mean, it's been a little frustrating at times. Yeah, maybe it's even a bigger picture than just this offense. Does Chris like does this front office know how to address the running back position? I mean, as crazy as that sounds, you know, they might not really put too much stock into it as we've seen. But the Dolphins don't have a Cam Akers on the roster. You know, they don't have a guy like that that's explosive and you know that top prospect that 
to be honest, a lot of people thought the world of Cam Akers coming out. So um, I don't know where the production is going to come from. You mentioned DeAndre Washington. I think the the most surprising performance for me for him was that game. I think he closed out against the Jets when he came in there, and everyone in the world thought they were going to run the football, and he was out there making plays. Mm-hmm. So I think he might be the guy. Again, we'll keep an eye on Salvin Ahmed for his uh, non-contact jersey. He was wearing a practice. But someone has to step up, and it, it just sucks because, like the receivers, and we continue to sit here and say, you know, the Dolphins need more playmakers here and there. It, you know, we got three weeks left in the season. They can't just come out of nowhere. And um, whether it's Elijah McGuire or Matt Breida coming out of no- who knows? But someone has to step up, and if they want to beat the New England Patriots, they got to get that run game involved because, um, you know, we see what it does to the passing game and how it opens things up and allows Tua to go out there and cook. Which, uh, again, that is going to be the key to this victory. Josh, and that just leads right into my key player. I'm going to go to a, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I'd love to see a 37 to 13 performance. And I know the game is, is about a lot more than the quarterbacks, but if, Tua has a top-tier performance. If he comes out and and just shows the Patriots I'm here, the Dolphins are going to run away with this game. The special teams is going to be fine. I think the defense is going to be all right. I think, you know, maybe the Dolphins, uh, a couple hiccups, they give up 14 points. But but if Tua plays his game against a really underwhelming New England Patriots offense, or defense, excuse me, that is missing a lot of players uh, in terms of guys who left, guys who decided to opt out of the season— this defensive group reminds me a lot of what the Dolphins were last year in terms of they are feisty. If you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile, that type of thing. But I, I think if Tua comes out and he plays confident, he connects with his receivers, he makes the throws and doesn't get discouraged about the couple you know throws that, that we've won from him that just haven't gone his way, I think the Dolphins are going to run away with this game. It's all about just Tua just kind of playing his game, being comfortable, not falling for those uh, fakes that Bill Belichick and that defense is going to try to get him into. I do appreciate you picking Tua and, and forcing my hand to go somewhere else because I think I'd probably pick Tua every single week. Um, shame on me because we talked about the, the run defense improving. Shame on me for not even mentioning Christian Wilkins. I mean, he is, he is the, the you know, kind of the heart and soul of that defensive line, and we see how big of a factor he was when he's in there. So for me, I'm not going to go with Christian Wilkins. I'm sorry. I was just apologizing for not mentioning him earlier. I'm going with Raquan Davis. I mean, we see how important he's been, how he's developed throughout the year. 35 total tackles. You know, he, he's just – a big anchor. You know, he's that big, you said meatball earlier when we were referring to running backs, Gio Bernard, for some reason you call you called Gio a meatball. Raekwon Davis is like a whole dozen meatballs. You know, he's just <laughs> piled into one. He's just this giant meatwad. He's meatwad. <laughs> Maybe I should push out meatwad's head on Raekwon Davis. Body. But that's just who he is. He's just planted, you know, you can't move him. He takes up two, two block, blockers and just allows the other guys around him, you know, to kind of, to work their magic. So I think Raekwon Davis is going to have to have a big game and, you know, that kind of trickles down into Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins. But for me, I think those three guys you know that is where they're going to need them to step up and, and stop the run game because again I think if we can do that um the Dolphins will win and so uh, sorry for calling him Meatwad but but that's Raekwon Davis and, and the other guys I like you bringing up Raekwon Davis because uh you know Christian Wilkins does get some hate you know he's a first round pick there's a lot of judgment on him um but but the what Christian Davis's job is Christian Davis yeah I'll imagine that player that that would be a meatwad, let me tell you. <laughs> Christian Wilkins and Raekwon Davis, their jobs are two completely things. What, what I love about Christian Wilkins is his playmaking ability. He's going to have those plays where he can get into the backfield and legitimately blow up a play for a 10-yard loss. He's going to bat some balls down. Actually, in fact, he batted down two balls against the Patriots in Week 1. But Raekwon Davis is what makes Christian Wilkins so good because being that anchor, it's his consistency. I'm not saying Christian Wilkins isn't consistent, but when the Patriots are running it up at the middle time and time and time again, 
Christian Wilkins can be moved around a little bit. He's not the biggest dude in the world. Yes, he's going to beat some blocks at, some, at times, but there are going to be times in the trenches where he can be flushed out. That's where Raekwon Davis can come in and always demand those double blocks and really dictate where this defense can go, how they play, depending on how he's on. Josh, that, that was a great pick, and, and you know I'm, I'm ready to hear it. Let me get your final game prediction. All right. Um, I mean, we're pretty much homers. We've admitted that now with our prediction last week. But I think this is going to be that statement game, like you said. And the Dolphins are going to eliminate the New England Patriots from the playoffs for the first time in, what, 100 years or whatever it is. Uh, but I think the Dolphins will win this game, and they'll win it convincingly. Like you said, I'm going to go 27-10. Uh, 27-10 Dolphins. I guess that isn't quite as convincing as maybe we thought. But 27-10 Dolphins, who, who you got, Jake? You copied me. I was actually thinking the same thing. As much as I'd love to see like a 31-7 to 7 route or something like that, I think it's be a little closer. Um, my, my heart is telling me 24-10 Dolphins, but I think it's be kind of closer to 24-14, uh, 24-17, something like that. But, I mean, it comes down to Tua. I mean, he's going to have the opportunities. If he can come out and do it, going back to that key player, man, I, I think he has, a perform- he has an opportunity here to really put the team on his back. I, I know, you know, everyone yelling at their uh, – um, speakers, you know, it's a team effort, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, Tua, Tua can make some magic and feed the whole family. Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but Ben Volan from the Boston Globe, you know, he's already tweeting or already writing articles about Tua. So how awesome would it be to just, you know, after all the years of just, you know, being, being what, the – the ugly stepchild of the New England Patriots for, what, 20 years? I mean, to go up there and have your franchise quarterback, you know, the promising future, go up there and just... come here. Cough, cough. Sorry. No, it's, no, for... keep, no, keep going. Keep going. Okay. Yeah, for, the, for them to come here and, you know, just to put a dagger and have Tua go out there and, and show the world that he, you know, he is the future of Miami and have them come down here and just have Tua, you know, put the put the fork in them and knock them out of playoff contention. How awesome would it be? And then to just leave that that bitter taste in their mouth where Belichick's flying back to, to Foxborough just thinking, you know, this is the guy that we're going to have to play for the next 10 to 15 years. And um, he he'll be shaking his boots. Can't wait. <laughs> that is all we have for you here on the Finsider Radio, Jake and Josh. So a uh, little note, Matt Breida said he felt okay while he was away from the team dealing with COVID. So, so that's good to see. Hopefully he is 100%, but I'm just saying don't lock that up. If you are enjoying what you're listening to, leave that review. Even after our jersey giveaway, we see those reviews coming in and I. I mean, man, I'm so grateful. It's actually really cool to see that number pop up every every couple of days when, when I go and check it out. So thank you to everyone who who smashes that subscribe button. Leave a review. We, we take all this stuff into consideration. Uh, we love chatting with you guys, and we hope you keep that up with us. Thanks for tuning in. We're excited to see Tua Cook this Sunday against the New England Patriots as the Dolphins continue their playoff push in 2020. Josh, it's been a blast talking with you, and more importantly, fins up. Ends up, baby. And like Jake said, thank you all so much. If it wasn't for you, you know there would be no us. So uh, thank you. Dolphins need must-win game this week. Let to a cook. And like you said, ends up, baby. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.
Number one.